Welcome to the Fantasy Wire HQ quick cast for the divisional round of the playoffs. Saturday cannot get here soon enough. So check it out before we get into it. Follow me on Twitter at FantasyWireHQ. Bookmark the website, thefantasyfootballwire.com. We're going to do a quick cast here on the games this weekend. We'll start off with the Chiefs and the Texans. Houston, we have a contender, I think. The Texans overcame not having Will Fuller in the lineup last week. Huge blow. Didn't realize that until kickoff. I went, holy crap, what are they going to do without Will Fuller, right? Uh, Overcame that. Overcame a double-digit second-half deficit. Won their home crowd back when it was looking the darkest. And then sealed the deal with a Deshaun Watson absolute sheer will drive of his life in overtime to march 73 yards, nine plays, set up the game winner. I couldn't believe it. That was a, that was an incredible ending to kick off the wild card weekend with that. I mean, what a game. I couldn't believe how flat they came out to start that game at home especially. I mean, that the dome was insanely loud. The whole vibe of that stadium carried through the broadcast and into my living room to me. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Now it's on to Arrowhead. They, you know, they won in week six, 31 to 24. It was against the hobbled Patrick Mahomes and on the arm of Deshaun Watson throwing 280 touchdown. He rushed for two more. I mean, he, he killed it in that game. But can he do it again? It's a tall task against arrested, well-prepared Andy Reid squad. The Chiefs defense, to me especially, turned a corner over the last quarter of the season. They've looked dominating at times. However, the Chiefs give up five yards per rush to quarterbacks this season, so they're going to have to shore up the front line. They're going to have to contain Watson, keep him in, uh, maybe like a little sugar rush, keep him in the in the pocket there and from scrambling. But, I mean, when we saw him turn it on in the overtime. If he, if he gets to that level, watch out. But the optimist in me loves Deshaun Watson to roll into Arrowhead, bebop and scat all over the Chiefs, steal a victory. However, my God, have the Texans been gashed through the air, giving up 33 touchdown passes this season, tied for fourth most in the NFL. So you can't underestimate the heart of Watson and the ability he has to get it done, no matter what the circumstances are. But wow, Arrowhead Stadium, January, that place is going to be insane. The X factors, I think, for this game, defensively, it's going to be J.J. Watt, Tyron Mathow, Mathow, the Honey Badger. Uh, both are extremely disruptive players. They've got the ability to make big plays at opportune times. The offensive firepower in this game is definitely going to be the point of focus this week for fans, the media, the clips, the hype. But don't overlook the defense side of this game either. I think that can you know be a sleeper kind of play. I think the Texans hang with the Chiefs for a bit. It, to me, though, it just sets up too good on the arm of Patrick Mahomes. They're at home. It's after a bye week. Uh, they got you know they're backed by a, a well-improved defensive unit that could definitely force a, a few turnovers. So give me the Chiefs, thirty-one. Texans twenty-seven. We'll jump into the Ravens and Titans. Big AFC old-school battle here. I, I'm jacked for this one too. I saw a Twitter post. Simply stated, post like it's 2012, so I went ahead and retweeted Ravens winning the Super Bowl. You know I love my Ravens, but Derrick Henry is putting the fear of God into me, thinking about his running style, 6'3". I mean, do you want to tackle a 6'3", 240-pound back that runs a 4'5", 4'? No, no, God, no. 
I, there's no way that that guy is insane. But if you followed either of these teams from their old AFC Central days, that's why I said this game's gonna you know bring back the good feels for you. Steve McNair, Eddie George, Ray Lewis, Jamie Shaw. I mean, there's a lot of good players you know from those battles. They were epic. But um, what's some other stuff that happened there? Jeff Fisher, he was playing mind games on the with the Titans jumbotron pregame. Somebody stole the Ravens playbooks on that game. Brian Billick had a pretty fired up uh, locker room speech talking about kicking in the goddamn door. Uh, it, it's insane. If you ever see the America's games, they're on NFL Network. Go back to that Ravens one and it, you'll they profile the whole really good segment about that, that game and that playoff run between those two teams. They were great. Uh, but for me, the game is definitely going to be an old school battle. It's going to be one in the trenches. The Ravens and Titans finished the season ranked one and three in rushing yards. So don't kid yourself. You know it's going to be an old school ground and pound game. If you don't like those type of games, turn it off. Go watch HDTV, start a kitchen project, whatever you want to do. But the uh, the Titans want to win this game. They're going to have to withstand an early Ravens offensive onslaught, and that's produced multiple scores early and often this season. So Lamar Jackson, he threw eight touchdown passes in the first quarter of games this season, tied for fourth most in the NFL. The Titans are going to have to borrow that control the clock game plan page out of the Ravens playbook, I think, to have a shot in this game because Derrick Henry plays tougher as the game goes on. We saw him do that in New England, and he just wears out the opposing defenses late, but they got to have a score. So if the Titans have a lead or they're close, they're going to lean heavily on Derrick Henry. The Ravens, on the other hand, they're going to have to keep the Titans' offense on the sidelines. They're going to have to put together the long scoring drives, mix in a few explosive plays. Maybe those plays result in a score or two. They go up 10. Whatever it's it's got to be, it's got to have the advantage. Ravens early or by halftime, force the Titans to play from behind and abandon the run game. The Ravens have this, this slight advantage as the Titans have not played them this season. And one of the only teams... The Ravens have not already faced. So they're seeing them for the first time. And I think it's hard, you know, it's hard to beat teams twice in the NFL. And since the Ravens took care of business against all the other AFC teams during the regular season, they kind of lucked out getting the Titans at home for this first matchup. So that that's going to play a huge role as well. Don't forget that the Titans defensive coordinator is Dean Pease. He previously coached the Ravens unit, and he was also the coordinator of their Super Bowl victory when they played the Niners. So Harbaugh obviously knows his tendencies. <laughs> Prevent zone defense, oh, three-man pressure <coughs> when the game is on the line. hes I haven't really seen a lot of Titans games, to be honest, so I don't know what kind of defense he's calling, but I just remember... It was a lot of prevent and zone when the games are on the line, when the, you know, you got to make plays. And he's, he's an old school guy. He's a good coach, but I don't think he's as nearly as aggressive as Wink Martindale, obviously. But for me, I think if Baltimore doesn't build an early lead, they're going to be forced to hang on for the win or give Tennessee even a win in the final minutes, as we saw the Patriots do. I, I think the best scenario the Ravens defense can face after halftime, like I said earlier, is a Titans team that's relying on Ryan Tannehill to win the game on his arm. So Tannehill is definitely an X factor. He's going to have to play four solid quarters of mistake-free football to do that and to ask that against a, a stout Baltimore defense, that's a that's a tough task. So no doubt the bank is going to be rocking Saturday night. I will be there. I cannot wait. If you're out there, hit me up. But listen, you know where I'm going with this one. The Ravens are well-rested. They're on the leg 
the legs and the arm of MVP Lamar Jackson. I'm going to say it. He's, he's got it. Uh, to take this one in a frenzied M&T Bank Stadium, I'm going Ravens 27, Titans 16. And we'll go over to the NFC side, 49ers, Vikings, Kirk freaking Cousins. My God, who would have seen the Vikings marching into the Saints territory at home, snatching a win in the Dome? If you read last week, I certainly did not. So I thought it would be close early. I was predicting home field to kind of be the difference maker there and a better prepared Saints team, but they just didn't get it done. So you know what they say, death taxes and a Saints loss to the Vikings. Saints are one and four all time against the Vikings playoffs. That's a that's terrible. But uh, don't forget losing in controversial fashion either. Kyle Rudolph may or may not have pushed off, but who cares? It's time for the first playoff game at Candlestick Park or uh, Levi Stadium. The Niners earned the bye week, so they're they're also hoping to have safety Jaquiski Tart. Jaquiski, I said that right, I believe. Linebacker Quan Alexander, defensive end D Ford. They should all be in the lineup, healthy in this game, which is uh, all three are big difference makers. The 49ers defense, along with Nick Bosa, they generate much more pressure than the Saints front line did, in my opinion. So Kirk Cousins, he's got to get that ball out quick. He cannot sit back there and pick targets. He's got to get a one or two read and hit it. They've got to get Stephon Diggs more involved in this game than he than he was in New Orleans for sure. I mean, I, he got hot with a couple catches, but he's got to come out the gate ready to go in this game. The Vikings, they better be ready for a physical Niners team because offensively, the Niners boast a solid O-line that I think it's going to keep the Minnesota pass rushers off of, off of Jimmy G. The trenches, similar to the Ravens and Titans, are going to be key in this game. One aspect of the game that I really find interesting is the Kyle Shanahan connection to Kirk Cousins. Because don't forget his dad, Mike, drafted Cousins in the fourth, or maybe Dan Snyder did, in 2012 uh, when he was coaching the Redskins. Kyle was the offensive coordinator. So don't think that Kyle, you know, don't think he's not going to be sitting on the defensive game plan this week. He's going to scout the hell out of Cousins. He knows him. He knows most of his tendencies, his weaknesses, his strengths. So it's been a minute or two since he was with Washington, but I'd give him a small advantage there. I do believe the Vikings have a shot to win on the road. I do. If the game was in Minnesota, I'm picking them for an upset special. But it's in San Fran. That place is going to be hopping. First playoff game in that in that stadium, I believe. The Niners team has provided the body of work all season long to show me, to show everybody they're the real deal. I really do. I mean, they dropped the Atlanta game. Who cares? Whatever. It's a you know replay kind of game, but the, all three of their losses came at the hands of the Seahawks, the Ravens, and the Falcons. So does that scare you away from taking them? No, not me. So I'm going, you know, I think San Fran's the more complete team. They get the edge on defense, slightly on offense. It's just enough to win the game and uh, march into the next round, and it's going to be a crazy NFC Championship game. I'm going Niners 24 and Vikings 17. Then we'll jump finally to the Packers and Seahawks. And I'm going to give you a little extra on this one because I I am in Wisco. I do like the Packers as well. So I think the the Packers, they're in a position to dish out some old school playoff revenge. Everybody here, they're still gripping on that, you know, ref game and the catch, the interception, the botch, the 
onside kick, all of all of the games. I mean, they just all kind of run together. But nobody here has forgotten about that. So I don't need to get in the history of these two teams, but they've made really for a good, solid NFC rivalry the last decade. But with Aaron Rodgers as starter since 08, Green Bay's hit or miss in the playoffs after a bye week. Three and three in the divisional round with Aaron Rodgers under center. And then one and one, you know, after a wild card bye, I, it makes you a little nervous there. Over the last five weeks of this season, the Packers defense, check this out. They've given up the second fewest points, fourth fewest yards per play, third fewest first downs, fifth lowest third down conversion, and the lowest opposing passer rating in the NFL. But you know who it was against? Redskins, Bears, Giants, Lions. All right, come on. I, uh, I don't know. It's time to put up or shut up for Green Bay. Now, remember the Bill Parcells clip on the old school NFL films. This is why you lift all them weights. This is it right here. The Packers' current offense, to me, looks like the least qualified offense for the playoffs. I think a lot of you guys can say that. It's been inconsistent. Some games it's it's looked like Madden. You know, you think of that Raider game. It was crazy. Other games, they're just lost and, like, disinterested. The two most important players that are needed to secure a Packers win. And you know, I'm going super obvious here because they're the biggest role players. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, definitely. The most obvious choices, but listen, it's no different than having a car. It's got to be wheels in the engine, right? You can have the nice leather seats, the nice bumping system. It doesn't matter. No wheels, no engine. You're not going anywhere. The same applies here. So to me, you look at Aaron Jones when he's over 100 yards, 5-0 record. They took care of the Vikings, Cowboys, Redskins, Vikings again, and Lions. When Aaron Jones is under 100, 0-3 record. And that was against the Eagles. He only had 28 yards. Chargers, he only had 30 yards. Niners, he only had 38 yards. So he's got to be the focal point of the offense. He's got to be featured. He's got to be featured running, passing, design screens, out of the catches out of the backfield, chain movers, whatever they got to do to scheme him up to exploit mismatches, they've got to do it. Aaron Rodgers, he's got to show up, period. The biggest problem, you know, with the Packers offense is they're taking matchups. They they do their game plan, they come out, then they see something they like. Then they go, hey, we gotta get this matchup. They're so they get so pigeonholed on getting that matchup, they get away from the game plan they were originally gonna install and do. So they got to stay on track. The three key items for me for old number 12, it's gonna be rhythm scramble plays and accuracy the offense has got to get into the rhythm early we've seen what happens and how they perform when that happens the Packers are great when they score first when they get into their timing they start hot the scramble plays for me with Rodgers 16 overthrows in that Lions game this is where he's dipping this year he used to be deadly accurate on the scramble he was lethal but you know he's underthrown overthrown receivers more than we can ever remember. So maybe it's Danica Patrick. Maybe it's his new $28 million crib he paid cash for. I don't know. He just needs to focus. Throw to the numbers on the jersey. For God's sake, just get the wide receivers. Hit them in stride. Timing. No home run ball. It's all in the details. So no hiccups at Lambeau. It's going to be cold. It's supposed to be like 20 degrees or something. It'll be pretty cold there, but... The Seahawks side, what can you say about them? I mean, holy crap. Russell Wilson, he's been clutch as ever. Defense is banged up. Offense, he had, he, he didn't he lost the run game. Carson's out of there. Weapons midseason, everybody was kind of writing him off. 
Um, but hey, they called up Marshawn Lynch. They got him back on the team. That's the spark I think they needed to really make a run here. DK Metcalf has been on fire. He's going up Randy Moss style over any defender. It doesn't matter who. The Packers have trouble stopping the run. So I think for the Seahawks, um, I think that's what Pete Carroll's gum is going to design the game plan around. At Lambeau Field, cold environment, ball control is going to be key. So if Lynch can heat up early, you know, that disjointed Packers offense, they might not be able to get back into the game if they're trailing a few scores. So the Packers defense, if they can keep the league leader in pressure, Zadarius Smith, if they lock him in on Wilson, watch out. And then don't forget Preston Smith. Those two are the difference makers for me. So the Packers, they finally got the ability to get to Russell Wilson, and that's something they didn't have in the past. And I don't want to hear about Clay Matthews. I don't hear, you know, Nick Perry. All they did was overrun way past the quarterback. Quarterbacks, they killed them, stepping up in the pocket. They've got to get to Russell Wilson from the middle, contain him on the outside, and that is key. So the Packers' offensive line is also, I think, I think they've got an advantage. They've got Elgin Jenkins, rookie on on uh, guard, David Bakhtiari, Brian Balaga's concussion protocol. He should clear it and, and play. He's one to keep an eye on with the injury report, but I'm not going to put the cheese head on completely for this one, but I'm going to rock the green and gold colored glasses, and I'm going to go Packers 27, Seahawks 24, and Hell, make it an overtime game, right? We've had, we already had a couple of this. Keep the theme going. Overtime, baby. Playoffs. So that's it. That wraps it up. Listen in for the next round's quick cast. I appreciate you listening today. If there's anything you want to hear, hit me up. Send a message direct on here via that little message icon. Favorite it on Anchor. Subscribe on your other podcast platform of choice. And I appreciate you listening. See ya.